Welcome to the Marketing That Generates podcast hosted by yours truly, Lauren Powell. For over a decade, I've partnered with business owners around the globe to create and implement their digital marketing strategy. Working together with their teams, we generate more leads, more customers, and more revenue. I'm here to make your business growth simpler by making online marketing simpler. Every week, I'll be interviewing other business owners about the strategies that are keeping their marketing relevant in the long term, so they're not hammered by monthly algorithm adjustments. So are you ready to generate more leads, better leads, and more sales-ready leads online while making the most of your oh-so-valuable time? Then this is the podcast for you. Are you tired of being promised the magic pill that's going to solve all your online marketing challenges? Well, this podcast does not promise quick overnight fixes, nor a one-size-fits-all marketing formula. Instead, it will empower you to think differently and more strategically about your marketing so that you get better results. So whether you're a business owner, solopreneur, or an aspiring entrepreneur, listen in and subscribe for zero fluff and actionable takeaways. And for bonus resources, go to marketingthatgenerates.com. In our current podcast series, I interview the owners of four very different financial businesses, and we dive deep into their marketing. Today's episode is the second of that series, and I interview Arnisha Bobo, founder of CFO for Women. During her previous career in corporate, Arnisha saw firsthand how female-owned businesses did not have access to the same financial resources as male-owned businesses. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear this. And as a result, Arnisha started CFO for Women to help female-owned businesses make better financial decisions and boost their bottom line. Arnisha shares more about her services in this episode. And what I love about all her offers is the different ways she can help different businesses, no matter what their current budget is. And last but not least, Arnisha shares some of the incredible ways she's marketed her own business that you may be able to apply to what you're doing. Listen in and don't forget to visit the show notes to get all the links for this episode. Thank you, Arnisha, so much for being here. Yay. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Likewise. And you've built this really incredible business operating as a virtual CFO for female service providers. So can you just start by sharing with our listeners a little more about the problem that you help these business owners solve? Yes, absolutely. We help women become confident decision makers in their business. Most businesses can't make, you know, well-informed decisions like hiring or expanding because they don't have access to reliable data. If you think about it, um, most businesses only talk to their accountant during tax time or as needed, like you receive a tax notice or you're trying to get access, access to business funding. But our goal is to help particularly women service providers, really understand the data, really understand their financials, understand their numbers so that they can make decisions um, proactively opposed to being reactive decision makers. And I think that's very key for any business, but particularly women. Absolutely. And why do you think it's different for women, may I ask? Yes, absolutely. So when I started my, I started my business because Um, I worked in the corporate sector and a lot of women wanted to do business with these corporations as suppliers or vendors. But one of the issues that we always ran into is they were not ready. Like they did not have the business infrastructure. They did not have the business 
um, policies in place. They just were not ready to do business on that level to whereas the the male counterparts, you know, they were always ready. They always had access to, you know, funding if they needed to hire uh, because when you become a vendor or supplier to a corporation or a government agency, you know, you're not paid in seven days. You may be paid in 30 to 45 days or 60 days, depending on the terms. And so I became, you know, invested (laughs) in these women like, yes, we can do this. But here's a project plan. You got to get this done. Here's your checklist. Go do these things. Go talk to this person and then come back and see me in about 30 to 60 days. And, you know, that was like that fire that kind of ignited me to be um, excited to start my company and start consulting. I just think that's a really beautiful mission. You know, there really aren't, in my opinion, enough female business owners. And I think for you to help help female entrepreneurs make more data-driven financial decisions is just um, really incredible. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And you have a few different services at your firm. Can you share a little more about each? Yes, absolutely. So over time, we've actually decreased our service menu. Believe it or not, I started out as a bookkeeping firm. So when I started my firm, we started out offering bookkeeping services and QuickBooks Online set up services. So we would um, we would offer bookkeeping services to these small businesses. Um, and most of them, a very large percent of them, about 60% of them did not have an accounting software. So we would implement QuickBooks, get them trained on it, help them understand it, um, how to maneuver it, how to send invoices, how to send, you know, bills to their vendors, et cetera. And then we would we would manage their back office. Well, we quickly learned that our clients needed more. They needed more advisory. They needed more, you know, they needed forecasting. They needed us to be partners with helping them make decisions because their company was growing and they were, you know, going to their meetings with their bankers and really didn't understand the numbers. And so we were able to kind of add that advisory. We were like, well, we don't want to do bookkeeping. Um Our clients need more, so we're just going to offer this strategic advisory, which is uh, virtual CFO services. So we've been able to kind of streamline it down to three main services, thankfully, (laughs) because it took a while. But our main service is our uh, strategic planning system. We took our strategic planning service. We reduced the time that it takes to implement this service and we created a system. And so now this system, and it's a best fit for established businesses who have been in business three or more years, have a small team, but they are struggling, you know, strategically. So that we built that system, you know, for them, you know, it focuses, like I said, on the strategic direction with budgeting and forecasting, you know, pricing, because people always get pricing wrong in business. And then, of course, the most important KPIs, really understand the key metrics in their business as it's performing over time. So that's our our main product. Our next product is for solopreneurs. So again, when I started my company, I started with working with smaller businesses that one that solopreneur or one to two person, you know, organization. And so we created a signature um, system for solopreneurs called Your Bottom Line. It's a DIY um, system that you implement in-house with your, um, your with your internal leadership, but it helps you um, really understand and prepare how to be a business owner. Because I know everybody sees the flashy life like online and all the, you know, the private jets and the nice designer clothes <laughs> and the family vacations. And I'm like, it takes a lot of grit and grind to be in business. It is not a walk in the park. And so a lot of people miss a lot of the foundational things when they start a business like understanding their business model and building out their banking or financial strategy. You know, what accounts do we need? 
when is it time for us to seek capital, like a credit card or a line of credit, et cetera, and then building a business budget past your startup costs. So we teach businesses how to understand that language and prepare, you know, to be in business long term. So that's our second service. And then our third service is our one-hour CFO. Sometimes you just need a quick strategy. You need help, you know, really understanding the numbers in your business budget or you're preparing for a meeting with your business banker and they're asking you, you know, about your uh, quick ratio or they're asking you about your, you know, uh, debt to income ratio. You don't really understand those numbers or where to pull them from, from your financials. So we walk you through, you know, that conversation. So that those are our three main services. And we also have some smaller digital products in our online shop. But those are our three main services that we offer. I Really appreciate you, first of all, sharing the evolution of your services, because I think it's important for anyone who's listening to realize that it is an evolution, right? Things evolve over time. And maybe where we start isn't where we end up three, five, ten years down the line. Two, I think it's so valuable, all the advisory that you provide and that it's a proactive approach, not reactive. And I think probably many people many business owners kind of saw the value of uh, having a more proactive approach with your number and even a proactive relationship with your banker during the pandemic, to be honest, when you needed to secure, when many businesses needed to secure loans quickly to survive through some of the ups and downs, especially at the beginning. And so I just think what you're doing is, is really incredible. And I think your services are brilliant. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. I mean, we had to pivot like everyone else did during the pandemic because we service small businesses. And so if our small businesses are not working, well, we have to figure out how to creatively um, support those who are left in the marketplace. But yes, absolutely. And businesses, if anyone is listening, when you're listening to this, don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to make the change or, you know, have to quickly change. It doesn't always feel good, but that's that's just, you know, that's part of being a business owner is you have to learn, you have to learn agility and how to move and change as the market and the economy changes. So don't be afraid, do it. Absolutely. And I also really appreciate you sharing that even though there's a low barrier to entry to starting a business, it's not that easy to grow and sustain one and that it's not all the flashy stuff you see because really, truly, <laughs> that might be 5 or 2% of the time, but most of the time it's just a whole lot of hard work, uh, rewarding, but a lot of hard work. And so really helping people make sure their foundation is set up strong from the beginning because whether we like it or not, money makes the world go round and it's what's going to keep you in business, keep your team working for you and help you reinvest in the right resources. So let's say someone's listening to this podcast and wondering, am I ready to bring Arnisha and her team into my business? When do you think would be a good milestone or good pain point when someone should seek out your services? Immediately. I always, so I am also a business coach for a couple of entrepreneurial um, programs in my local state. And I always advise businesses, whether you're in the startup phase, the growth phase, or you're scaling, you need a CFO or access to a CFO immediately. (laughs) Um, I'm going to break it down into the three levels. So as a startup, when you are writing out your business plan um, and you are really trying to put your idea to paper, you always want to build in in your startup costs a consultation with an attorney, 
a consultation with an accountant, a consultation with a marketing strategist, a customer service representative, and also a CFO. Because you want to make sure that your financial strategy is aligned with your personal financial goals and your business financial goals. So when you're, you know, procuring the market for the different services or subservices that you need or tools or whatever you need to operate your business, you're going to have to bring in the experts, right? And what happens typically is, you know, people are really smart and they're really great and creative at what they do. So they start doing it before the business is actually built. And so now you're growing faster than you can handle. And you didn't really have a business plan, which is your plan of action to begin with. And so now you're trying to hurry up and put all these pieces together. But I definitely think in that startup phase, you have to spend some time with your um, with a tax accountant um, and a CFO because they're going to help you build out your financial strategy per your business model or how your business is going to operate. We need to know who's doing what in the business, how much it's going to cost, what access to capital you need, and how quickly we're going to be able to turn that cash over into your business. So that's my um, advice for startups in the growth phase. Um, I've worked with, in my corporate career, with both um, tech companies that are coming out of the growth phase Uh, I'm sorry, coming out of the startup phase and then moving over to the growth phase as well as small businesses. So being able to work with the little guys with a little bit of money and then the bigger guys with a larger pot of money, you have the same issue. You're growing fast and you need access to resources, but you really didn't plan it. And before you go and talk to an investor, you know, to try to raise this capital, you need to sit down with a CFO to understand where are you right now? What are your numbers saying right now? And how can we create a forecast or predictable plan for you to move? forward. Um, So that's the growth phase. And then also for those that have been in business, you're established, you've grown it to where you've wanted it to grow to, uh, you've made the money you wanted to make, you've achieved the level of success that you wanted to achieve. Now you're considering that selling or exit strategy. You definitely want to talk to a CFO then because you need to understand your business valuation and have those, you know, get someone to start running those numbers to to make sure that you're going to walk away from this amazing thing that you built with a nice check <laughs> to your name. So those are my three like levels that I would advise anyone. And, and you people think that it's so expensive to hire a CFO. It's not. You don't have to hire a CFO long term. You can hire professionals like myself on a project basis. Like I said, we offer a one hour strategy session, um, but you need to build that into your budget to get access to their resource. And if you are just absolutely strapped for cash and you really don't have the money in your budget right now, before you know you go into business or you start making large decisions, go to your local state um, resources. The SBA, they have free resources, free access to business mentors who have been in business or the industry for decades and have a ton of experience that can help you. Um, there are resources like the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center. They offer free business and mentoring um, for both new and growing companies. There's also like score.gov. So your local city and state have free resources for you to access. Your tax dollars have already paid for it. So it's just a matter of making the decision to schedule the call. But you can definitely afford it, but make sure you put it on your calendar and in your plan. I'm just sitting here nodding (laughs) over and over again. Such good advice. And to be honest, really time with someone like you should pay back dividends. So it's it's also an investment in um, how do I generate 
more money in this business and how do I have better cash flow? How do I have better margins? How do I secure access to capital when I need it? So I, I think, first of all, the breakdown between three stages is super helpful. And then I really appreciate your advice to uh, consult an expert like yourself immediately because I just, I think it's invaluable. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier too that people get pricing wrong a lot. And I imagine, especially in the startup phase, consulting with someone like yourself will help them think through that business model and pricing uh, in perhaps a more realistic manner and make sure there's enough money left at the end of the day from a profit margin standpoint for the business to be sustainable. Yes, we actually just taught a class on pricing to help businesses prepare for Black Friday. And typically people get pricing wrong because they, they've never had to do it before. And what we help businesses understand is if you do not price yourself correctly, you won't have any extra money left over. Like there won't be any extra money for you to, to purchase the equipment that you need, uh, to bring on additional staff, to meet capacity, to purchase more inventory, uh, to even just pay yourself, you know, an owner's draw just because you got extra money. If there's no extra money, we can't do any of those things. And so typically what people, how they get pricing wrong is they look at their competitors and they try to find a sweet spot of what the what their competitors are charging, both at the high end and low end. That's not a good strategy. It's great information to know and understand, but pricing includes, like, there's so many other values. Um, so before you start, you know, trying to understand pricing, you need to know your numbers first. You need to know your variable and your fixed costs because that determines um, that gives you information or insights on what your break even should be. How many units do you need to sell at X at this number of units in order to generate at least to break even and be able to generate profit? So that's where we first, you know, direct people on. And then trying to find that sweet spot in the middle of your competitors is also not a good strategy because you don't know your brand value is different. The way that you're teaching the market, the way you're perceived in the market, the value of your brand is going to be way different than theirs. You also have to consider other factors like brand loyalty. I am a Starbucks fanatic. I don't care what people say, you know, about the ingredients that they use. I'm going to go and get my caramel macchiato from any Starbucks in the world because I know they're going to make it the same no matter where I go. And I know I'm paying six bucks for it minimum. And it's, I can go somewhere cheaper and get it cheaper. I'm not looking for cheaper. I'm looking for my macchiato to taste the same when I want it. And so you have to consider your yourself as that type of brand and be able to build that type of brand loyalty. We are not by far the cheapest virtual CFO consulting firm, especially in the region that we're in. Yes, people can do it cheaper, but are you going to are you going to receive the same results? Are they going to be able to drive the same results um, that we are providing, right? Do you get access to the same proactive care the way that we deliver it? than our competitors. And so you have to start thinking about yourself. Yes, again, important uh, competitor information is good, but that's not how you should be pricing yourself. Um, there's this uh, crazy saying that always people always say, Nike doesn't care about Reebok. Yes, they do. I used to work at Nike. <laughs> I was an analyst in their and I was an analyst on their finance team. They absolutely care about what their competitors do, but that doesn't stop them from you know pricing the way that they price. Believe it or not, Nike spends a whole lot of money on their uh, the boxing of their product, which is called they call it Corrugate, and it's an experience. Like most of the price is in that box. <laughs> like I'm just being honest. But most of their competitors aren't thinking about that. They're just thinking about making the product really pretty. So yes, 
large retailers and large successful companies are thinking about their competitors, but they don't use that as their baseline to price themselves. So pricing is a very, very layered conversation. It's not one size fit all. No, it's not. And I'll just say from a marketing perspective, if it's very hard to market a business that is competing on price alone with their competitors. It's just, it's, it's a losing <laughs> battle. And it's when things change on, especially on the online marketing front and you need a little more budget to acquire customers. For example, like the Facebook ad landscape is changing and a lot of my clients you know, are having to pay more to acquire customers. If you're competing on price alone, you don't often have that extra buffer in profit to adjust as the market marketing landscape adjusts. Yep. And I love that you gave a workshop on Black Friday because I think people look sometimes at the top line revenue and forget about the profit on the back end of that. And, you know, the way I see Black Friday personally, and I don't, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts, Arnisha, but is it, it's a customer grab from a volume standpoint, but we're really looking to increase customer lifetime value on the back end of that initial purchase. So we're not looking as at Black Friday as a one and done from a marketing standpoint, at least. Uh, yes. So it's, it's kind of like, it's one of those things that's almost like a double-edged sword, right? Uh, people, yes, discounts will drive new traffic to you, people who have never seen you before, um, and your volume may increase. But if you didn't build that discount into your pricing model for that campaign, you're not going to win in the end. You're going to get a ton of new sales, but you're not just, you're not going to see a lot of that back end, like you said, that back end profit. And that was the main point around our, um, the Black Friday uh, webinar that you're referencing. It was our smart pricing for Black Friday, teaching businesses not how to discount their product or service to death. I'm not against discounts. I like discounts. I love to shop on a good sale, but also quality is very important. If you sell, like if you discount and you got to also, and we, we taught this in a webinar, you have to know what to discount. It's easy to discount a digital product because that's, it's, it's on a, it's a, the life of that is forever until you end it. It's very hard to discount your actual services where you have to produce a product. Um, you have to produce a service over a period of time and your labor rates are built into that um, profit margin. So it's very hard to discount your work. We don't ever run discounts on our consulting services. I, I stopped doing that my second year in business. One, people abuse it. And two, we just started attracting people that were outside of our target audience. And I was like, nope, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to stick to, uh, I'd rather discount a digital a digital item where we're already running 90% profitability. I'll kick it down 85, 80% profitability. I'm okay with that because that product, once we put it out there, it's going to sell on its own. So you have to know what to discount and when to discount it. And I think that once you understand, it goes back to education and just being aware and having access to data. Once you know your numbers and you know those fixed and variable costs, it's very easy to, to understand, oh, you know what? I really can't offer, you know, a 30% discount, but we can probably do 15, maybe 20. We're pushing it at 20 opposed to doing a 50% discount or 30% discount. Those are huge discounts. And again, if you have not built those discounts into your pricing, you're going to be walking away really sad at the end. Yes. Yes. And I'll just echo what you say. We never discount our services either, ever. No. <laughs> we just can't. Like, it's not, that's not how we 
position ourselves in the market and it doesn't allow us the freedom to go the extra mile for clients when we want to and to reinvest back into the business. So I think that's just a really amazing masterclass for anyone who is listening and you know, keep an eye out for when our niche is doing more of those. I think it's really smart. And I often see people from a marketing perspective overlook pricing. They just say, hey, come sell this. Hey, come market this for us. But they haven't really considered like how much profit is in the back end of uh, of this for us. And is it really worth all the effort it's going to take to amplify the marketing of this service or of this product? So I'll give you an example. A client is running a live event this year and um, they didn't do their homework, <laughs> uh, unbeknownst to me, and they didn't realize that all of their operational costs went up significantly for live events after, not after the pandemic, because we're still in the pandemic, but basically a lot of demand, not enough supply, and costs have gone up. And so they started marketing <laughs> tickets for this live event at a price that wasn't profitable. And <laughs> then they went back and did the math after, and I'm not sure why after instead of previously, but um, they were like, oh, shoot, <laughs> we're not going to make enough money on this on this live event. And I just said like, and it was pretty early on in the campaign. And I said, guys, like you got to make a decision now, like either the price needs to increase so that it's worth your while or we need to cut this campaign because I don't think it makes sense to have the entire team create a break even campaign for a live event that's going to suck all this time and energy and effort on a product that isn't making the business money in any way, shape or form. Yeah, and it's it's really hard um, as a service provider to be able to to deliver t- or to have to deliver bad news. We don't want to deliver bad no. news. We want to be excited <laughs> to you know deliver good news. And it, it as much as it it's, it's disappointing for the business owner on the receiving end, it's disappointing to us too because we have to help you. That's when the reality sets in, right? Like you said, either this thing is it's not going to make you money. But as the, as the business, you got to understand, OK, we can quickly pivot. What can we do to help this? And so I always meet people, um, and some, especially in budget season. We're getting ready to go into tax season and budget season. And at budget season, um, we're doing funding, funding season. Everyone loves me. Everyone loves me. But then with budget season, <laughs> comes, I'm, not, I'm not popular anymore. No one's really excited to see me coming to the office anymore because I got to, you know, I have to start reducing costs. If these are the goals of the company, you know, these are your objectives for this year. I want to help you be successful in meeting your goals, but we have to, you know, cut costs. And it's not always the favorable costs that we have to cut. You know, it's some of your favorite costs. So I understand what it's like to have to deliver that bad news, but that's why it's important for small businesses that are listening to this to really understand you need a relationship. You need that advisory from professionals to help you take things to the next level. And it doesn't always feel good. It's part of just part of being a business owner. No. And and the missing link here was there wasn't someone like you in the business advising on the, on the front end. It was, um, you know, hey, we've done this event every year, so we're going to assume we have the same costs. And, you know, there wasn't someone saying, hey, let's look at this all first before you start, you know, pulling the trigger on on any sort of sales or marketing. But I think I think it's hard to understate how valuable the work is that you do for someone. And I really just appreciate you sharing that, hey, at any point in your business, you should be working with someone like me or here are these free resources that the government is providing you that you can work with if you're not yet ready to hire someone like me. Yes, absolutely. 
So, Arnisha, you talked a little bit about this, but why did you start your firm and what inspired you to go off on your own? I actually love my career. I started my career very young in accounting. I actually was introduced to my mentor before I went to college. I met him in high school and he was a controller of a hotel. The hotel went through some management changes and things just got really shaky and um, not good. And he needed some help in the back. And so I was able to really understand that problem solving. And that's what kind of helped start my career. Once I got into my career, very green, <laughs> but I started working with, like I mentioned, like with the account, it's called accounts payable, the, the vendor bills and the vendor management, right? When you become a supplier or a vendor, someone has to manage all that information, all those invoices, all the payments to those, invo- those invoices. And I really wasn't familiar with a lot of um, small business structure or information. But after working with, you know, once you work with a problem once, you're like, oh, okay, this was interesting. And then you work, you, it comes up again. It's about a third business that I had came across. I was like, okay, there's something wrong. Like all, all these people cannot be experiencing the same issue with not knowing this information. So then I started to do a little re- a research and of the uh, millions of small businesses that are out there, at that time, 42% of them were women-owned businesses, yet they only, um, of that 42% of businesses, only 10% of them Uh, 10% of women-owned businesses generate over a million dollars in business. And this was about six or seven years ago. So I'm sure those numbers have, well, they have changed. But when you compare the success of male-owned companies versus women-owned, and then you start breaking those layers down into, you know, access to funding, the W-2 payroll, the size of the team, the number of contracts that they are receiving, those numbers become depressing. They're not happy to look at. And so I wanted to be a positive reinforcement to that. I wanted to make, um, you know, change to that as much as I could. So started helping um, women. And I'm not a gatekeeper, by the way. If there's an opportunity, I'm opening the floodgates. Everybody, come on. (laughs) If you can come, (laughs) come on. (laughs) But I started to, you know, learn more about just women in business. And then I joined this amazing organization called NABO. It's the National Association of Women Business Owners. Um, I joined this in my hometown, actually. It's a nationwide organization um, to help women become better business owners and um, better leaders in their organization. And I was just so blown away because I'm like, I'm meeting women who are beating these statistics, but why isn't it reported? Because it's a very small sample set. And when you look at things on the, when you look at everything on, a, on at the grand scheme of things, it's like our women need help in business. So I became an advocate for women business owners to help them as much as I can. I'm no longer a member of NABO, but I'm a member of a couple of other professional organizations and they have. Um, like a women's program. And I'm a part of those programs to help women, you know, understand. And like I said, be confident decision makers in their business. There's a better way. I've made, I've had my fair share of uh, challenges and failures in business, but here's where you can learn from me. And here's how you can beat that door down that's up against you with funding. I made some amazing strategic partnerships with bankers and lenders in my state, which is Georgia. I'm in Georgia. And anytime I meet a woman, you know, a woman business owner, hey, what does your funding stream look like? You need a credit card or you need a line of credit? Hey, let me look at your financials and put you in touch with my banker so you can get access to what you need to grow your company. And so I think my passion and just my love to see people win, especially women, it stemmed from that. So I think 
there are so many beautiful things that you just said, but I think one thing I'd like to highlight is those numbers about very few business owner, female business owners hitting the 1 million mark. Well, there's even more depressing numbers about how many female business owners make it past the six figure mark. So I think your mission to lift up and empower female business owners, I don't know, to me, it really, it really means a lot because there aren't, there are many amazing female business owners that I know in my state, but you don't always have access to those kind of examples as a female in this entrepreneurial world. And, you know, you talked about the strategic partnership with bankers, like that is so brilliant because, you know, they can refer work to you and you can refer work to them. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is very important for any business. Understand who your referral partners and your strategic partners are. So my strategic partners are my top partners are bankers first, because people always need funding. <laughs> and then second, financial advisors. Um, I work with financial, uh, several financial advisors. And it, it's it's more than just, you know, getting a life insurance policy. Do you have a disability policy? If you get hurt, you're a salon owner. If you get hurt, if you injure your arm, will you still be paid for your time off? Just little things like that. If you're an artist, my sister, she's a, a, an amazingly talented artist, but I'm always on her you know, to stay in touch with her financial advisor because your hands are your work. If you can't brush or paint or do what you need to do, you need access to resources to help your business. And so... Building that relationship, I always have just a ton of, um, we have a ton of inquiries that come in and they are primarily from bankers and lenders or our financial advisor partners because we need them and we need them and they need us. My third top financial referrals are CPAs. So we are not a CPA firm. We do not provide any tax filing services, although we help with pre-tax planning. Most CPAs do not do financial work. Like they don't like financial management at all. They want you to come to them prepared and ready with your financial statements in hand. They may do a little bit of touch up here, but they're not setting up an accounting software for you. They're not cleaning up your um, your financial records. They want you to come ready. And so at the time, that was my, when we were a bookkeeping firm, that was our top referral um, CPAs. And people always think that we are uh, competitors. No, we're collaborative partners because we need them to file the taxes. They need us to prepare the information for them to file the taxes. So I think it's really important for any business owner, think about who your start, come out of the trees and start to think um, vertically, who are your partners that can refer people to you? Yeah. And the beautiful thing about a strategic partner is it's not just referring one person to you, it's multiple people to you. And they're often doing the same they're often marketing to the same target audience. And if you guys can pass work back and forth for qualified qualified prospects, it's just an easier win. And I often find it's a lot, it's overlooked or that's an afterthought or maybe um, doesn't happen first. Like someone's thinking about Instagram or Pinterest or TikTok, which great. And your strategic partners might be a faster path to the money from a marketing standpoint. Yes, absolutely. So would you say that your strategic partners and referrals are the primary way right now that you get in front of a new business? Or also, I know you do a lot of speaking and a lot of teaching and a lot of education as well. 
Yeah, so not anymore. And this is where I always make marketers cringe. <laughs> when I first we when I first founded my firm, we didn't we, we didn't have a marketing budget. We didn't know marketing. The only thing I, that I had when I started my business was one landing page, a contact form that integrated with my um, CRM at the time we were using and a Facebook like a Facebook fan page. But that was it. Um, and that's because 100 percent of my business were referrals. So about three and a half years in, I started to speak and teach inside of the professional organizations that I was in. Like I would teach a budget business class. I would teach a cash flow business class. And that's how I actually started speaking. And and when we would go to these events, I would get a lot of inquiries. And I'm like, I can't handle this capacity just by myself. And at the time, it didn't make sense for my assistant to travel with me. I was like, we got to think of a different way. And I was like, digital products, duh. We can create a digital product um, where people can, um, I can package some of the knowledge and put it into like a course or a mini course or something and we can sell it online. That skyrocketed (laughs) my, my speaking career. And I was like, all right. I need to get some speaker training because, yes, I know how to speak and deliver information. I had done this for years in my accounting career, um, presenting executive reporting to C-suiters and the VPs of the company. So me being able to do it, speaking in front of people was natural to me, but I didn't know how to sail from the stage. All I knew how to do was like, there's a problem. You got a cash flow problem. Here are a couple of different things that they could be, but this is how you, you start to problem solve this. And that's the way that I would teach my audience. But I needed to learn how to sail from the stage. And so... Over time, digital courses became very popular, but that only worked when I would speak or get on a podcast. And I was like, all right, I want, I want a way, and I didn't know what I was saying at the time. I was asking for a marketing funnel, but I didn't know it. I was like, I want a way for our digital products to sell without me having to say something or post something. And at this time, I, I had begun to do more social media, like videos and lives and stuff like that. And one of my good friends, she's actually a VP of marketing. And she was like, oh, you're talking about a marketing funnel. And I didn't really understand the concept. And she was like, it's, you can have, it can be as simple as you want or as complicated as it needs to be. I was like, well, I don't want to do complicated. I know that. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start with a simple funnel. And I started to understand. And I was like, well, I could have done this years ago. I think I would be in the 10-figure club now. (laughs) So um, one of the things I always tell business owners, especially if you are a must-have, we're in the financial space, so we are a must-have. We're not a or a necessity for any business is to have even a simple funnel, marketing funnel in place, do some simple marketing. So now we have a marketing strategy because I'm a planner and I think in steps ahead of the, ahead of the curve. We have a marketing strategist. We have a marketing plan. Now, and now we have market quarterly marketing campaigns. So we focus on one thing at a quarter. I never wanted to be one of those business owners um, that I see online. They have a new product every single month. And I'm like, I know you guys are tired. Like, I know. <laughs> your workforce is tired because it's always something new and I was like no if we focus if we get clear on our messaging and we get clear on our um, like marketing plan for the year I think that will help us not confuse our you know target audience and people that follow our brand and our brand fans will really appreciate that and we can start training people how to buy from us so now I actually just approved our ad budget for 2022 and I'm feeling better and better about the whole marketing, you know, planning and campaign. I think that's very, very important. 
I think it's important, but I think you went about it a smart way and that you didn't start there. Because to be honest, if you had tried to put a funnel in place before you were speaking or before you had that same experience, I don't know if it would have been successful. And I'm just speaking frankly, because there would have been a lot more testing of your messaging that would have needed to happen. And in order to test your messaging, you need to get it in front of a lot of people. And I think the way you went about it is smart and budget friendly, where you know, at the time you would have had to throw a lot of ads budget to test that same funnel and that same messaging in front of all the audiences that you spoke in front of, for example. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I know, like, I know everyone says like, you got to start with a funnel and I'm, I'm sure that's true to some degree, but I think there's so many ways to slice and dice it. And I think your marketing strategy in the beginning was, okay, with the with the funds that I have in place, what can I do? Which is, okay, I got to leverage my time and I got to leverage my expertise. So that's the way I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So Arnisha, if you had to give advice to another business owner who's working on their marketing and growing their business, what would that be? Hire the professional immediately. <laughs> Don't wait. But I think what you just said is very important. <laughs> you have to, <laughs> you have to, you need to create a plan and you you have to be okay with the testing process. Um, I think that, and it's easy to give up to feel like things aren't working. You're spending money and you're just not seeing the results. And you got to be okay with that temporary loss or that temporary dissatisfaction until you find what works for your business. We are not on every single platform. That just doesn't work for us. I got it started on Facebook. We started on Facebook. So pick a channel, find your tribe. Um, well, let me back up. Identify your target audience. Who is your target persona? Who are you talking to? Who is the person that you want raving about your products or your service? Think of them, where they hang out, what they do, what their hobbies are. Really solidify your target persona and then go find where they hang out. Facebook worked for us very well for the first three years. Um, my old brand was Bossy Books. We actually rebranded a couple um, last year, we rebranded because I wanted our messaging to be very clear on our target audience who are women service providers. And so we rebranded and Facebook worked really well for us. So find your, so first identify your target uh, persona. Second, find the channel that works for you. You do not have to be on everything. Facebook worked well for us. Instagram works well for us visually. TikTok does not work well for us. I don't, we don't have the capacity for YouTube. I just, I don't want to be a vlogger. That won't work for me. So you have to find the channel. I love Pinterest. So we're getting more into Pinterest next year, but you have to find the channels that work for you. You do not have to be on everything. You do not have to launch something new every single you know month, like I mentioned before. But I think once you bring on a professional and, get, and you get your marketing plan in place and you understand what your focus products are, it's easy to build out those marketing campaigns. So I definitely, I highly recommend um, any business out there, at least book a consultation with a marketing strategist. Or try to set aside a couple thousand dollars for your marketing campaign because you're going to need it eventually. And <laughs> book with a CFO, a virtual, <laughs> a virtual CFO, so you understand how to price those, price those products and make sure those campaigns are profitable. Yeah, come and see us. We help you understand your numbers, right? We know, especially if you have activity, we know or we can access the data to understand, you know, your customer long-term value, the cost of customer acquisition, average sales by product type, et cetera. We can help you with that side to help you prepare for your marketing strategy. But you, you got to, you got to one, know, know your numbers or have access to that data and then be prepared to spend the money with the marketing professional. 
Love that. So I really appreciate all your time and expertise, Arnisha. Where can people go to learn more about your firm and your services? Yes, absolutely. The best place to interact with us is on our newsletter. We have a free newsletter that goes out every single week to our email list. You can go to my homepage, www.cfoforwomen.com and sign up for our newsletter. And you can also access our blog. We have a free business blog that goes up every single month that's industry specific. Our blog about strategic planning and planning for your next year of business is coming up soon. So definitely go find access to the resources. If you are a brand new business or you're considering starting a business, we are on our blog. Our first blog is actually how to start a business. Please go and look at that blog, review it, take it in. There are some important foundational steps in that blog. We're very active on um, Instagram. Our Instagram is CFO for Women. So we're a couple of different places, depending on how you want to interact with us. Yeah, so all of those links are in the show notes for you guys, um, including the links to those specific blog posts. And I highly recommend you reach out to Arnisha and her team and ask some questions. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Arnisha. Heck yeah. You just finished another episode of the Marketing That Generates podcast. I hope you found a few takeaways that you can put into action right away. If you want more on today's episode, head over to marketingthatgenerates.com for show notes, links, bonus resources, and related episodes. Plus, if you're looking to connect with other amazing business owners just like you, be sure to join my free community. You can get access at marketingthatgenerates.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you back here next week.